0: Welcome to our Saturday simulcast, February twenty fifth edition. Purdue IU tonight, seven thirty, Mackey Arena. No Purdue fan needs a reminder of that. I want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel, the Boiler Up Bar, the Eight Eleven Bistro, and Leap's Coffee Shop as well. I want to thank uh, and remind people, I should say, that we will have a special appearance for Wednesday Night Live on Wednesday, March eighth. Mike Carmen will join me at the Boiler Up Bar please join us there or at least join us on Facebook live as we'll be talking Big 10 tournament action as Purdue will almost guaranteed to be playing on Friday and if the Boilermakers win tonight they'll be the number 1 seed and they'll play Friday at uh, the early game i believe it at noon of course those Big 10 tournament in Chicago so today's show uh, Mike Carmen and Tom Deanhart will join me for segment one. We'll talk a little bit of basketball, Purdue, Indiana history. Then Jerry Palm from cbssports.com. will have some fun talking bracketology and where the Boilermakers might end up this year in the NCAA tournament. And then Bruce Weber, of course, the longtime Purdue assistant. 1981 to 98, but also obviously with the big BTN network, took Illinois to the final four in 2005 and Kansas state to the elite. All right. I'll start with you, Mike and Tom, you know, you've been watching Purdue sports a long time. Tomorrow night in Mackey arena is uh, hard to to understate. I think it's the first primetime men's basketball game between Purdue and Indiana on a Saturday night, I should say ever uh, or in the history of Mackey arena. But it's gonna be uh it's gonna be nutty in there. would you agree with that, Mr. Carmen?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I I, I you you're the historian here, so I have I'm no just idea. Old. <laughs> I know. Well, so, so am I. And I got older this week. Yes, uh, you did.
0: And Happy birthday <laughs> uh, to you yesterday.
1: Uh, but I, I you you would know has Purdue ever pledged a share of a title against IU? Well, yeah, As they did in upon- 17,
0: 2017.
1: Okay. All right. So yeah. My my memory's fading on me, but I think <laughs> I, I think that adds to what oh, yesterday yeah. could be. They got help last night from Illinois beating Northwestern to put them in this position. Yes, and now they have some opportunities to take advantage of it. I think all that adds to the potential nuttiness of of what's going to happen. And I think from a Purdue fan standpoint, the perfect scenario for them is, you know, they got beat in Bloomington earlier in the month. Now come back have a chance to clinch at least a share of the Big Ten title on Saturday against your rival at home in that environment in a conference race that you've led virtually from start to finish. And you have established yourself, you know, you can, you can debate this or other people might debate this, but you, you've established yourself as the best team in the conference when you look at the big picture. Now, everything changes game to game, week to week. Purdue may not be playing the best of any team in the conference, but right. when you look from start to where they where they may go the next couple of weeks, they I think they've proven themselves to be the best team in the league. Yeah,
0: Tom, and you know you've been around watching Purdue sports for a long time, and uh, there were some amazing games in the '70s when Indiana was was winning one thirty six straight Big Ten Ooh. games and barely got out of what, Mackey Arena alive in each of those games against uh, one, only one of those two Purdue teams was ranked. Just this rivalry and what this does, I mean Mike Woodson's maybe rekindled it because Indiana's even even more formidable formidable player. but to your perspective on looking at this uh, from a rivalry standpoint, it's a big deal and a, and a rare opportunity for Purdue.
2: Yeah, boy, this uh maybe Mike can speak to this too, but that this week off has to have been a big boon to, to the team as well, right? Just sort of recharge the batteries reset, if you will, with this final three game stretch. And uh try to work out any, any kinks uh that may be popping up or had been popping up. So you're right, Alan. Um uh boy, this is one of the bigger Purdue games, Purdue IU games we've seen in a long time. And I can't imagine the atmosphere there, guys. I've talked about it before, you know, sitting in that place when Knight was the coach, and when he would when he would walk, <laughs> when he would walk out along <laughs> the court, just the, the place with the <laughs> – it always gets back to that story you always need a hero and a villain to make every story good right and uh for a long time this game with iu wasn't a lot of fun because there wasn't really much of a villain there they weren't that good uh, i know Purdue fans don't want indiana to be good but that's when this rivalry is really juicy right when when there's a lot of back and forth and anybody can win it where it looks like it's getting a little a little more level water at, at this point and Mike Woodson brings a lot of history to the table, too. So yeah. this looks like it's going to be a fun era for that Indiana-Purdue rivalry. All
0: right. Good versus evil if from a Purdue perspective, I should say. <laughs> um, and that's clear. As good as Zach Eady, evil if from a Purdue perspective is Trace Jackson Davis. Both terrific players. have had great seasons in the Big Ten. Both in many years, I think Trace Jackson Davis could be, would, could be the Big Ten player of the year. Where do you sit on that uh, quasi argument? I, I think, you know, in terms of just the, the way that those two have gone head to head and obviously Saturday night would make, you know, have add another chapter to that. How do you see that? in, in, in from that perspective, and it doesn't seem, it seems pretty clear that Zach Eadie is the national player of the year, but uh, how do you view it from a Big Ten standpoint?
1: Well, I, I still think he's the Big Ten player of the year. Uh, again, when you look at the big picture, when you look from start to finish, what he's done, you know, Trace Jackson-Davis has really come on here lately and he gained a lot of momentum in, in that discussion. Um, but I, I kind of equate it to what happened last year a little bit where Johnny Davis was the best player of the Big Ten last year from start to finish and Wisconsin won the league. But Keegan Murray, Murray was playing the best at the end of the year. And I know there were some people like, well, Oscar Murray didn't get Big Ten player of the year. I said, well, it's not a it's not a four-week award. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a two, two and a half month award. And I I think Zach has proven himself over the long haul to to still be the best player in the Big Ten. Now he needs a little help to be the big the best the best player in the Big Ten because he's not a a point guard. He's not a guy that handles the ball a lot, where you know, Trace Jackson Davis is not a, a guard, but he handles the ball a lot. And he can create his own shots and create his own uh, situations sometimes. But what Zach has done this year, when you factor in everything about Zach, how long he's played basketball, how quickly he's developed. And I know it's not a career award, but all those things have led to this season where he's he's clearly the you know, he's clearly the winner of this award. Now, Jackson Davis is going to get some votes. Uh, It's not going to be unanimous. But I fully expect Zach to be the Big Ten player of the year.
0: Yeah. You know, you look at what Zach did, though, Davis had Jackson Davis had a good game in Bloomington, to say the least, especially the first half. You know, the numbers uh, were still uh, in Edie's favor there. Tom, I, you got a big checkbook. I mean, you could get it out and write a write a fifteen hundred dollar check for tickets tomorrow. It's just, it is crazy. I mean, uh, what the, what that's gonna what that's gonna be like from that standpoint. But as you look at the at at the Big Ten race and where Purdue is, guard play, and I'll get Mike's yeah. opinion on this as well. You know, Purdue's guards have been really, really good, but uh, they need to take another step forward. One would think uh, if if this team is going to get to where it wants to get to, come uh, not only Big Ten tournament but certainly in the NCAA tournament.
2: Yeah, it's it's a broken record. We 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 we've heard about <laughs> it years. We've talked about it. We've read about it. How once you get into March, I mean, it's the guard play really gets amplified, right? Uh, that the ability to to create your own shot. Uh, with the shot clock winding down Who, who's gonna who's gonna get it when you need to get it who's gonna create and Zach Eady cannot create as Mike said as we all know he's big guy's got to be given the ball and uh obviously they has to be fed the ball by the guards and and that's that, that that I guess that that's the one thing about Purdue you still wonder about do they have that creator um you know can can get his own shot when he's got to get his own shot I think we've seen glimpses of some guys that can do it. I'd love to hear Mike's thoughts on this. Um, maybe who, who those guys are and, and what Mike, what you think of Purdue's ability to still handle the press. Um, everybody's got the book on everybody at this time. They've all seen the film and know your weaknesses, your strengths. Competition is going to get tougher once we get to the big dance. There's a lot of good athletic teams out there with some six, eight guys that can swarm you. So uh, again, um, Again, just the backcourt play overall, I think is going to be that the biggest curiosity for me. And and it's again, it's not a big revelation to think that that's going to be what's going to either determine Purdue is going to have a long march, or maybe it ends at the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, I, I would just say some of the things that Purdue has gone through this year, and it, I think it started at Indiana with the physical play on the perimeter, and the environment down there. I think kind of played a role into that first half. Uh, and then they were able to settle down in the second half. You know, Fletcher Lawyer is a guy that can put the ball on the floor. If you're going to overplay him, he has he has shown he can put the ball on the floor and and get to the get to the rim uh, and create his shot that way. Uh, you know, Braden Smith with the two man game with him and Zach, uh, he's gotten in the paint quite a few times this year and either taken the shot, got fouled, you know, dumped it off to Zach. So they have a couple guys right there that can do that. Um, but that is uh, you know, when you watch the Illinois game last on, uh on Thursday night against Northwestern, who was the guy that put the ball on the floor and went to the hole and, and got Illinois that win? That was uh, you know, that that's that's something that probably Purdue doesn't have, but it's got other things I think that can counter that stuff. But yeah, you just were a handle in the press. I think they've done a better job here recently. I think the experience at IU will help them Saturday night when they're going to see the same thing again. Um, and I, you know, I like the toughness of the two freshman guards. They not not a lot phases them from a mental standpoint. And they've had they've had bad games. They've had uh, poor shooting games. They've had high turnover games. But they they seem to bounce back from that pretty well. And that's that's going to be a key on Saturday. How they handle that again, and can they can they get into their offense a little bit quicker than they did in the first half? Bloomington I felt like they were they got they got stagnant out on the perimeter in part because of IU's defense but in the second half they're able to get into their offense a little bit quicker and that's going to have to uh, that's going to have to be the case Saturday and plus you know they just can't turn the ball over at the alarming rate they did in Bloomington or they're going to get run outs and you're going to see the same result again.
0: Yeah no doubt we know that lawyer is is we understand a little bit of a calf issue and that's maybe been a little bit of a problem. That's, that's normal for this time of year. You also know that freshmen aren't going to tend to get whistles there. You know, they may beat you up a little bit. Uh, that part of it is uh, another storyline as well. Hey, hey,
2: hey, hey, real quick from Mike again, who, 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 are your X factor guys? Is it Brandon Newman? Is it Caleb first? Is there an X factor guy? That's not always a frontline guy. That's really going to maybe hold the key to Purdue. I think Gillis
1: comes to mind first would be a guy that if he can get on the boards, like he did against Ohio state, you know, if Mason can get threes to go down uh, on a consistent basis, once you get in the postseason, you know, you, you can't, you're not going to double team him because you're, you're, you're paying so much attention to Zach that he's going to get his opportunities. And if he has that hot hand, like he did against Penn state, he can carry you uh, through, through the course of the game. You know, Brandon needs to come off the bench and play defense and, he needs to see some shots go down, yeah, and and you know, and the shots are going to go up. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're yeah. going to go up, but he can play a role, and yeah, and I think the other guy too. When Zach's off the floor, uh, Trey kaufman Wren. Now he's not he's not shooting a lot, but the ones he's shooting, he's making. I think he's fifteen to twenty-one the last nine games. So if you can get production from that spot with Zach on the bench, that that's a huge bonus. I, I think they have a lot of X factors. You know, Zach is the biggest factor, and he has to keep his turnovers down. I mean, that's – you know, I think at IU he had five. And then another game he had six. Northwestern, I think he had six. So uh, he's got to keep his turnovers down um, because the double teams are going to come fast and furious against him once they they get in the postseason. Uh, So there's a – this is a team that I think, although they're dominated by one player most of the time, This is a team that kind of needs everybody to contribute and to produce for them to make any kind of deep run to win the Big Ten tournament and also, you know, go deep into March. They're going to need everybody to contribute in some fashion.
2: What does does
1: Ethan Morton have to do? He's got to play defense. And, again, he's another guy that's going to have some open opportunities on the perimeter. He had a couple three-pointers against Ohio State. I think he's a really good offensive player, but his focus has been on defense. He wants to be a better offensive player, but the opportunities are really not there. So, But he's got to take advantage of those. He's a guy that can break the press and, and attack the press, too, because I think he's a pretty good ball handler. And that's one thing I'd probably like to see Purdue do more is when you have the numbers advantage, go to the hole. You know, get into the lane. Make, make the, the defense make a decision who they're going to guard. I think, you know, that's how you make teams pay. And I think too many times Purdue pulls it out and then they want to run their set. They want to get Zach at touch, touch, which is it's a great formula and it's worked all year. But, you know, when you have the opportunity to, to kind of shove it up the opponents, you know what, on the press, they're going to get out of it. And that's what I think they need to do.
0: Yeah. Interesting insight. And it's going to be as Tom, to your point, too. You got to make shots. You got to have other guys uh, contribute. There's no doubt that uh, you don't want to have a three for twenty shooting game and have Zach Eady go seven for nine. You're going to lose against good teams if that if that happens. All mm-hmm. right, there'll be a lot more to come uh, on the site next week as we head into uh, – pretty going to Wisconsin and to Illinois, and we'll have the. Uh, the Fab Three back next week. We'll probably there's also Pro Day coming up for football. We'll hit get Tom uh, on that as well because uh, this is
1: this, uh, this is the Power Trio. This is what this is. Yeah, this is, this is the Hollywood Squares.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and, and if and, and if Newbert were here, we'd have the Fab Four. But uh, yeah, there you, out, go. you can still watch his stuff. He'll be doing his rap videos, and uh, we appreciate that as well. With Brian's uh, Brian's uh, managing is uh, doing the doing. Our special guest here. Jerry Palm is, he, uh, is a busy, busy man this time of year. He's a busy man all times of the year, but uh, <laughs> especially now as we get to uh, the family of bracketologists and, and Joe Linardi, Jerry Palm, Mike DeCourcy. I've been a guess I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, yeah, you guys all get along. Now, you don't spend a lot of time worrying about what the other guys do, but Man, all three of you guys, I don't know Joe Lenardi very well, but you're great guys and fun to be around, and uh, and it's always an interesting perspective. But you don't spend much time on anybody else but your own in terms of comparing what other guys are doing, I assume. No, I don't. I haven't got time for it. Even if I wanted to,
4: I don't have time for it. Um, You know, a long time ago, in the, you know 93, I think Joe did his first bracket and I did mine yeah. in 94. And for 10 to 15 years, it was just the two of us. Yeah. And then – the whole thing exploded. Now there's hundreds, you know, so many people with a computer and too much time on their hands, it's just how I got started. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Now there's, yeah, there's hundreds and, um, and uh, it's, it's kind of funny to have watched this thing grow, <laughs> you know, out of something. I don't know what really, uh, what got Joe started for me, it was just trying to learn how to do some use some new technology. Cause that my degrees computer science, of course, and, uh, and it just turned into
0: a thing, a hobby, into a job, into something weird. <laughs> that degree is from Purdue University, by the way, it is. Is, if, you, if you don't know. And he's, of course, a proud member of the All-American Marching Band and gets his chance to get on the field. And you've had uh, you've had a son, right, that's been in, been in the band as well, correct? I had
4: um, I have one as a freshman down there now in the band and his older brother spent a year in the band as well.
0: Yeah, very cool. And uh, it will be September before long. Uh, I think it's uh, Fresno State will be the, the opening game for Purdue football this year. Uh, we're not going to wish the summer away or wish the next few weeks of college basketball away because it is is a great time of year. Let's first talk about, uh, you know, you've been around Purdue sports and been to Arena many, many times over your life. Tomorrow night against Indiana uh, will be a very very special night just because uh, you know you don't get a chance to win a Big Ten championship on your home court and against your rival. Uh, they, the Boilermakers did that back six years ago and when they beat Indiana in 2017. But uh, this has them and you got a little bit of revenge motive too because Purdue was beaten by Indiana three weeks ago. Talk about the game as you see it for tomorrow night and what uh, what you're going to be watching for uh, out of Purdue and Indiana. Well. I mean, the most obvious thing is that Purdue has got to take care of the basketball
4: better than they did the first time. I mean, they 11 first half turnovers. I think Zach had five for the game, it may not have all been in the first half. But, you know, that you get yourself in a hole. They're too good. You know, you you have a better chance of climbing out of it at home than you do maybe on the road. But, you know, they got to get off to a good start uh, and take care of the basketball really for the entire game. That's that's the biggest thing. When Purdue has problems, it's because they don't take care of the basketball. And then they need to shoot well. Uh, It looks like Fletcher Lawyer's in a bit of a shooting slump right now. You kind of wonder if getting some freshman legs, uh, maybe having this week off will be good uh, for the team in in regards to that, you know, just getting to rest a little bit, not having to grind out a game this week against somebody. Um, You know, Indiana's a good team. They're coming off a loss. You know, Everybody will talk about Zach Eadie versus Trace Jackson Davis, but I don't think that's where the game comes down. I think it comes down to the performance of the other guys uh, for each of those teams. Uh, whoever can take care of the basketball, whoever can can get shots and open things up for their big guys in the post. And then, of course, produce bread and butter is rebounding, which they've been able to do all year except at Maryland. Uh, I didn't get to see much of that game. I only saw about seven minutes. But I did see Zach go up and try and rebound with one hand a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he was just showing off. You know, no, but no. but the the good thing is, and I'm just going to say this briefly. Big Ten officiating has been dismal this year, and not yeah. just at Purdue. I, I mean, I watch a lot of Big Ten. I watch g- games, you know, in our league a lot, and it's just not been a good year. Except when you get like we had CBS in the house for Michigan State, and um, uh, the most recent big game, the, the Ohio State.
0: Right, Ohio State right. And we get
4: an A-crew. And this is a Fox game. And Purdue and Indiana should get an A-crew anyway because of the rivalry and the fact that they're both really good. But we have a better chance of getting an A-crew, which means a well-officiated game. And the players get a chance to play basketball. And that's really the important thing. And we haven't had enough of that in the Big Ten this year. And, in fact, I think the home game with Nebraska, which was never in doubt, was one of the worst officiated games I've seen in years in the in the Big Ten—it's—it's it's just been a rough year for the for the officials in this
0: league. Yeah, it has been. It has been that, and Purdue. There's been a lot of discussion about that. You know, Fletcher Lawyer also disclosed a little bit this week, coming off a little bit of a calf injury. You don't know yet. And, then, and like to your point, the fact that Purdue has six days off really helps. They have five more days off before they go to Wisconsin. I think that does give. You know, fatigue for young guys and for a team, uh, you know, Gene Katie used to say, oh, they're, they're 20 years old. How can they be tired? But I think, I think that there is some of that, and I think that's to Purdue's advantage over the next couple of weeks. That is if Purdue can have more points on the board at the end of the day against Indiana and uh, down the road against Wisconsin. Yeah, it's a good time of the year to
4: have that kind of a break in your schedule, yeah. relative break in your schedule.
0: Yeah, look at look at you, what you do for a living, and, we, and obviously people want to know, uh, want to guarantee you where Purdue's going. There isn't there there isn't a guarantee on seed yet because there are games to be played. Right. It does seem likely, if not almost guaranteed, that Purdue will play its first two rounds in the Friday Sunday sequence in Columbus, March seventeenth and nineteenth. Tell us about your thought process there, and uh, a little bit about Purdue's seeding challenges, where they could go. The high, the low, and uh, how it all may shake out over the next couple of weeks. Well, the high for Purdue
4: is that they could still be the overall number one. You know, that would probably require winning all the way out, you know, win these three games and win the conference tournament. Purdue would have a chance to be the overall number one and would have a good case for it. But obviously that depends on what some other teams do, because all four teams on the top line of the bracket have a chance to win all the way out. Uh, They don't play each other. We don't have two from the same conference. You know, Kansas can make a very strong case. Alabama can make a very strong case. I don't see the case for Houston, but the committee likes them as evidenced by the fact that they were number two overall. So it's, uh, but those four teams, you know, all of them could, any of them could be the overall number one. And then, you know, if things go badly at the end of the season here, Purdue could be a two, I suppose even a three. Things would have to go really badly for a three. But even with that, the odds of Purdue playing in Columbus are very high in the 16 teams that my top 16 in today's bracket, which I haven't released yet. The only team for which Columbus is the closest site is Purdue. So, you know, it's, it, the odds are very high that Purdue will get to play in Columbus. I mean, even if they were ninth overall, you would have to have two teams ahead of them displaced from their closest site and sent to Columbus instead. And, There aren't even a lot of teams for which Columbus is the second closest site. So, I mean, I like Purdue's chances to play in Columbus, regardless of where they end up being seeded. But obviously, if they're a number one seed, they'll get to play in Columbus. Um, And then if they're the overall number one, they'll also get to play in Louisville. Uh, But that's going to require some work and maybe a little help.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thing, and of course, the last thing you want to do in this tournament is count games and and, and project yourself to the regional championships, but it is an interesting storyline, because if Purdue is the overall number one seed, you know, right now it I and I'm not put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing that you would have Alabama maybe going to Louisville for round right. for this for the for the round, and in Purdue maybe either in Kansas City or New York for the regional championships. But that is a big advantage. You don't if you're Purdue stating the obvious here. You don't want to be a number two seed and run into Kansas in kansas city uh for example i mean how do you view that though is that is that as simple as that produce the number four seed they may end up on the west coast uh uh, in the regional championships the the number four overall seed on the one line i mean yes right
4: uh yeah if you're the number four overall you get what's left so you know the the other three teams go into whatever the closest available site there is and number four gets whatever's left so yeah it could be uh las vegas then yeah Purdue's number four overall. The committee put them in New York because they were third, and New York was closer than Vegas to Purdue when they were put into the bracket. And that's really how it goes. It's it's a very regimented process bracketing, and they're going to put teams close to home as long as they're following the other bracketing rules to do so. So, for example, if Purdue is five overall, they could they'll still go to Columbus, but then they could be placed uh, in Louisville. Except for if Alabama is still number one and in Louisville, one in five cannot be in the same region. Right. So then Purdue would get shipped away from Louisville again because they could not be as number five in the same region as number one. So there are bracketing rules and conference separation rules which aren't going to apply to Purdue, and uh, they're part of the bracket. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot. In fact, the conference separation rules, the bracket I did on Monday at Purdue is the number one, and four Big Ten teams is either eighth or ninth. So yeah. that meant that Purdue had to be bracketed with a, one of their conference mates in an eight, nine game. And in order to do that, it has to be a team that Purdue only played once in the regular season. Is that right? I didn't know that. Okay. So, yeah. so they would have to, to me, would have a problem if, I mean, that, that would be a very unusual circumstance, but the committee would have a problem if they didn't have a team like that, that they could bracket with Purdue and they'd have to ship one of them off the eight, nine, eight, off the eight, nine line to get through a, uh, a a team that they can play and they haven't had to do that kind of a shift since they relaxed the bracketing rules about seven or eight years ago now.
0: Of course Michigan State and Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern's gonna drop to an eight nine. I don't know though. And maybe you have a different opinion Michigan but Michigan State would be a one one team one game team. Uh, I Rutgers. guess that would be one. Rutgers is potential. Rutgers is falling like Island. a rock right now. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So uh, interesting setup That's I learned something new today. That's a good thing. I did not know I was going to ask you that question because it used to be back in the day, way back in the day, you couldn't meet your conference opponent to the elite eight. And then I think it switched to the sweet 16, but now it's, it's really, it's, they, it, is it the round of 32? Uh, For, or
4: so it, it's based on how many times you've played a team in your conference. So if it's just once, it could be the round of 32. If it's twice, it can be the sweet 16. If it's three times, then it's the elite eight is the earliest you could meet them. So, and they did that because all of these conferences were starting to get so big. You had eight, nine teams from a conference in the tournament, and you can't bracket under the old rules because they're just, there are too many teams, so they needed some more flexibility, and this is what they came up with. And it, and they have not had to do a seed switch since that time uh, to come up or to to do the bracket. They used to have to do seed switches all the time
0: to get teams from the same conference away from each other. So, and the Big Ten tournament counts as one of those games, right? So, if it Purdue does. could be, so Purdue could not yep. if Purdue plays Indiana three times, let's say, yep. then they could not meet till the till the Elite Eight uh, in the tournament. Okay, got it. I was told there'd be no math, but there's always a, a little bit of you've got to be able to think of logic and there's nobody more logical than Jerry Palm in terms of this fascinating stuff. All right. What are your what are your biggest? I mean, it's such a crazy year. There's no, as everybody says, there's no dominant team. Um, there is no dominant some, team. What is your biggest what what are the biggest storylines as you go into you know we're still what 2 weeks away from selection sunday but uh 2 weeks and 2 days but who's counting but what what are some of the biggest storylines is it UCLA is it uh, where the, where they're going to finish up i mean obviously teams got games to play but what are, what are the things yep. that they could really throw a wrench into into all this yeah for me the biggest one is that there's no dominant team
4: you know the the four number ones have been my four number ones and i would bet You know, the committee, I know the committee talked about those four teams only for the top line. There was no, there was no doubt it was those four teams. The only question was which order could you put them in? And you can justify almost any order except for anything that has Houston ahead of Alabama because of a head-to-head result. But it's, it's a, it's going to be, the tournament is always where matchups are really important. But I think it's going to be even more so this year because there isn't a team that can overwhelm a bad matchup with just talent. Yeah. You know, that's, and that usually, Like, remember a couple of years ago, we had Gonzaga and Baylor and everybody else. And usually we've pinpointed two or three teams that are kind of separated from everybody else, or sometimes it's even four. And while there seems to be a separation between this current top four and the rest of the bracket, at least in the mind of the committee so far, it's not a gulf, it's just a little bit. And so, you know, for Purdue, you know, the, you know, if you're a Purdue fan, you can probably identify some of the better teams that might be a matchup problem for Purdue. Like I would say Houston could be a matchup problem because they're so aggressive defensively and they're reasonably athletic. And Alabama would be a matchup problem because who guards Brandon Miller on Purdue? I mean, I love Ethan Morton stepping up as, as a defensive stopper, but Brandon Miller is a different guy. So who guards him for Purdue? And that's also a very athletic team. And I and I just I think teams that, that that are particularly athletic would give Purdue problems. I think they can grind out with Tennessee teams like that. But teams that are both you know athletic and strong defensively, I think, are the kinds of teams that could give Purdue
0: problems. Yeah, no doubt. Zach Eadie will give everybody else problems too, though. And it's, 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 yep. it's, it's as you said, it's it is truly a game of matchups. From that, all right, in the Big Ten. Uh, as of uh, today, you have how many teams in and how many teams should be shaking in their boots here down the stretch? I'm still working on the bracket. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not down to a final number
4: yet. But, you know, Purdue, Indiana, Northwestern, Illinois, Maryland, Iowa, I expect all six of those to be in. Then you start to get bubbly with teams like Wisconsin and Rutgers. Um, Michigan State Michigan. will be in. Okay. So that's, that's set seven already. Yeah, um, but Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan, you know, those are teams that could still go either way. Big win for Michigan at Rutgers last night. Uh, Rutgers has been reeling a little bit. Um, yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's got a very weird resume there. If you take they played five quad one games all at home, one of all take that off their resume against the other three quadrants. They're below 500 at home. That yeah. win over Iowa made them four and five on their home courts against the top three quadrants. They're actually above 500 away from home. So, you know, it, I mean, the Kohl Center has always been, you know, a difficult place to play. But this year, teams are going in there and winning. But then you got to watch out for them when they come to your place. So it's a very weird season for Wisconsin. And they've had some health issues, too. And they, yeah, they've got exactly. bad metrics. They're in the 70s of the net. But Rutgers was 77 last year and still got in. So you can't get too wrapped up in the veterans.
0: Yeah, I have a sense that Thursday night's game, looking ahead, which you never do when you have Indiana coming in, but uh, uh, will be an interesting game because Wisconsin could really solidify it. They're going to have a lot of motivation just when Purdue comes to town uh, uh, next Thursday night, uh, March the 2nd. Hopefully we won't see someone else storm the court. After being yeah there. <laughs> yeah I know isn't that amazing never seen anything quite like that any other teams that you've been watching that you think are especially dangerous I mean Ucla comes to mind for yeah. me um just because they've got a great point guard they've got right. skill at the wing what what what, what well, yeah, and experience and an excellent coach, in my opinion. Right. What, uh, what, what, what are some other teams that uh, you better be watching out for? Maybe even a, a third or fourth seed that uh, said, Boy, you've uh, kind of caught your eye as a team that uh, not only Purdue but everybody else just needs to watch as a proverbial dark horse. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned UCLA. UCLA also has a weird resume. They have four losses that
4: are pretty three to you know definite tournament teams and one at USC, which is a rival and a bubble team, so not bad. But their best win as they enter March, is Maryland at Maryland. Now, they won it by 100.
0: Yeah, Yeah, unbelievably. They
4: killed them. And they're the only team to win there this year. But Maryland is a middle-of-the-bracket team, and that is still UCLA's best win this season. Now, they've got Arizona coming up, regular season at home. Might see them again in the conference tournament. But, you know, it's it's just really weird to have a team that high in the bracket without a win any better than Maryland. Uh, But, you know, that's how it is. Uh, I would watch out for – you know, I've been telling people about Indiana because I thought they've been playing a lot better, and they have been playing a lot better since the home loss to Northwestern. Uh, and when you've got a guy like Trace Jackson Davis, I mean, obviously, you know, you can you can ride a guy like that through the NCAA tournament. Um, I like Creighton. And, and yeah. they, oh, I'm, here I'm giving you teams that lost this week. Creighton uh, yeah. was the preseason pick for the Big East. Had a rough stretch in, in December when they lost six in a row. Half of those games without um, – Kalkbrenner, Brenner, and then he came back and they started to play like the team people thought would win the Big East. But the team that is winning the Big East is Marquette, a team that Purdue saw uh, earlier this year. And struggled with. Uh, they, played a, they played Purdue tough at Mackey Arena. We should have seen then uh, that perhaps this was a team that was a little better than had been expected. And they yeah. have shown it over the course of the season. Shaka Smart's done a great job with that team. And then if you go a little bit farther down, I think it's going to be interesting to see What happens with a team like Texas A&M, which was dreadful in non-conference play and has been winning a bunch of games in the SEC? But until they beat Tennessee this week, winning against teams that are middle of the bracket or lesser teams in that league, now if this is a team that can show late in this season that they can beat the better teams in in the SEC, that might be an interesting team to watch out for because that's a team of which more was expected not national championship more, but top 25 team more, and that only recently they have looked like that team. So that's kind of a deep reach.
0: I don't know that that team can win a national championship, but that's a team that could mess it up for someone else. Last question. I mean, you know, like North Carolina's run last year, um, teams with a lot of talent or, you know, you have to be, Looking at team, I mean, North Carolina may not even get in the tournament the way things right. are going. I get that. But, you know, the Dukes of the world, I mean, those teams, uh, how do you view those guys, the Blue Bloods? Obviously, Kansas is going to be. look like they're going to sure. be a number one seed. But yeah. uh, there's talent to be had, and teams can get hot, as Carolina did last year. Right. Well, two that you might find in the middle-ish part of the bracket
4: are Duke, uh, depending on how they finish. They're going to be your six or seven seed today in, in mine. Um, and then Kentucky, which yeah, has been, Kentucky. you know, up until two weeks ago, was very squarely on the bubble. Uh, they beat Tennessee. They've given themselves a little bit of a reprieve. They could still play they, their way further up the bracket, but I'm probably going to have them in the seven, eight, nine range today. And, you know, that's a talented team. They have last year's player of the year. They're, I mean, they've got four and five star recruit. I mean, this is a team that where talent is never the problem. Yeah. But this season, they just really haven't put it all together yet. If they do in March, I don't know, I don't know that I trust their guards enough yeah. to actually make that kind of a run. But talent is not the problem at Kentucky, and it never is. But, but they may have a seed that is going to you know, give some teams that are ahead of them in the bracket pause.
0: Yeah, I I think I said, I don't know if it was your bracket or somebody else's, but I saw Kentucky on that eight line with Purdue in Columbus. If I'm Purdue, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> but, I also don't want to be
4: in the same site as Kentucky because you won't get tickets.
0: Yeah, but, fans you know, are all over the place and all that. Yeah, so, I,
4: I have always said that they could play the NCAA tournament in Helsinki, Finland, At Kentucky would <laughs> sell it out.
0: Yeah, let's not borrow trouble from a Purdue perspective, but uh, let's just, uh, if you're a Purdue fan, you just hope that the, the Boilermakers finish strong with a game on Saturday night against Indiana, but also the rest of the conference schedule and then let the chips roll roll where they may. It has been a very interesting year, no question. It's going to be a very interesting yeah. tournament. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's yeah. Just, uh, unexpectedly good. Yeah. All right, Jerry, thanks so much for your time. We may hit you up again before, before this, but you're going to be on uh, CBS's there as you get closer to, uh, you said, the weekend, the Big Ten, or the Big Ten tournament you'll be there on as well, yeah. but throughout the NCAA as well. Uh, we love your work and we appreciate your time and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in person, if not in ross Aid Stadium and Mackey Arena. We'll look forward to that as well. Bruce Weber, who's been we we would have him on here every week if we had the chance, but we appreciate the fact he's been on a couple. This will be his second appearance on Golden Black Live. It's a resume resume builder for you, Coach. Uh, from that standpoint, <laughs> you know you got you got big things in your life, but you get to take time to do this, and we always appreciate that. You know what? You have been through 18 of these, what Purdue fans and coaches are going to be through tomorrow night. Never before, though, I don't believe they've ever played a game on Saturday night that I know of, a primetime game. Purdue, Indiana, a lot on the line because Purdue could claim a share of the Big Ten championship uh, as Northwestern uh, Illinois came back with a vengeance last night to beat Northwestern in the second half. But Coach, you know, you look at this. You, like I said, you were on that sideline for eighteen years as an assistant at Purdue. There's nothing quite like it. I'm, I know you've been through other rivalries, Kansas State, Kansas, and and other places along the way, but uh, it's a special, special experience.
3: Yeah, there's no doubt. It's it, it's a special night, uh, and then obviously with the first game. The way that went, it's going to add a lot of more fuel for the for Purdue and the Purdue fans, and yeah. uh, and you you know you got a championship on the line also, so it's it, it's it's going to be a crazy in there. There's no doubt. Obviously, I I'm with Rayfeld every week, uh, Davis, and um, you know we talked a lot about it and and how you know and that's he brings up all his games, and I did <laughs> that. Um, uh, the the special on the Big Ten Network about Chad Austin yes. hitting, hitting the shot and, you know, just yeah. reliving it and talking to Brian Cardinal and just all those those crazy games. I tell them stories that they, in the you know, we're sitting in the green room and going back to our, one of our early games with the Isaiah, Rosie Barnes. And oh, stuff. yeah. Classic. <laughs> uh, you know, just so many games that, uh, you know, that just bring back such great memories and you know, you 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 can say, "Oh, it's just one game." Oh, that's a that's BS. To be honest, yeah, it's not it just one game. It, it means a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: I I and I and I was a junior that year in the in the Rosie Barnes game when Bob Knight ran out the tunnel and was banging on the door of the the officials' locker room. You know, because Isaiah got called for traveling. Isaiah never traveled. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, I think Purdue may have stolen that one that, that day, but that was one of the classic games. Of course, the 1981 game, I think the, uh, Kevin Stallings hit a couple free throws down at the stretch and, uh, and the rest is history. But, you know, you talk about that and, 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 you know, you guys were just establishing yourselves in in the '81 season, and the fact that that Indiana Purdue game uh, has been such a big deal over the years, and is gave gave you guys credibility. You know, just because you you beat them enough, uh, you beat them in '81, you beat them in '82, you 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 know, you beat them down there finally in '84. It's a big deal. That's part of this rivalry. It goes all the way back to Gene Katie and Bob Knight.
3: Yeah, just, it, you know, it, it all started. And I don't know if you remember, I, I, I had the scout. This is when we could scout in person. Yeah. And I, I watched them play in Minnesota and the game. Coach Knight, of course, he had his, you know, polite ways of getting after the refs. And he yeah. got after <laughs> the
0: refs.
3: And the whole game at Minnesota changed. And, and it was Tucker and Brewer. And, yeah. you know, Minnesota was really good. And obviously Indiana was really good. And I went back to, Coach, I'm this young, naive guy. I said, coach, let back him control the game and all that. Well, Coach, if you remember his his first game at Indiana, he had two technicals. Two technicals in the first it, five minutes. And, <laughs> and you were the instigator behind that. Yes, I, know it. I was. And I, I just – I turned my – I said, Coach, I didn't mean to do that. And he goes, it's fine. Now at least he knows we're in the state. So he made a statement and – um, you know we got competitive and and it 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 was just a blast it, it to be part of it and you know I just the, we beat them the one year and we were trying to get out of town and we couldn't get the bus out of town they they were you know the cars got around us and first we yeah. thought it was funny and then we we're like oh oh <laughs> is- <laughs> so we got we finally got back and then we got back to campus and it was the night of the uh Uh, The nude Olympics that carry. We couldn't even get our bus up to Mackey arena. So just, just some fun, fun, fun memories, special memories from all the years. That's
0: right. That one was, nice. I think that was the Chucky White game in 1990. And I, and I remember I was part of that crowd. I wasn't uh, shaking the bus, but I looked at it from a distance and the bus is rocking back and forth. You guys can't even make it between Kerry Quad and, and Mackey arena, as I recall. But yeah, that's the beauty of, of, of college basketball and a great relate and a great uh, situation from that standpoint. Uh, Yeah, some classic things. Yeah. In today's world, Gene Cady would not have made it past four minutes because he'd have been (laughs) in the locker room, right? Uh, With two technicals. But uh, Bob Knight knew that those were the games. Of course, that was uh, this is a whole other. We're, we're we're digressing, but we could go on for hours on this topic because that became the the donkey deal with George King and yes. all that uh, uh crazy stuff. If you if you don't know about that, check our site. We have a link to that uh, Bob Knight coaches show, which was priceless television in its day as well. All right, tomorrow night, you know, again Purdue has played. You know, lost three of five. I think they got maybe mentally health, more healthy after beating Ohio state. Uh, You have to like Purdue in a lot of ways. I mean, this is still a very good basketball team, Indiana, a very dangerous basketball team that hasn't played as well away from home, but uh, has enough talent to take Purdue to 40 minutes and
3: beyond tomorrow. Don't you think? Yeah, there's no doubt. especially with the emotions involved Uh, you know, I, I give credit to Indiana in January they were bad. I mean, yeah. you know, they they didn't guard anybody. They had that three game stretch, and and then uh, Trace Jackson Davis called out the team, and then they still laid an egg at, at Penn State that night. But after that, uh, I you know they Coach Woodson, I think they started switching everything. Their defense got much more intense. Obviously, Trace Jackson Davis kind of just put them on his back and carried yeah. them, and uh, you know they they played. They have played. They played at a high level. Um, they, as you mentioned, they have not been. And I, I brought it up to the the Big Ten. Uh, you know, our people in the in the network, like you know, hey, look at the scores. They're winning these road games, and I know it's important, but they're barely beating Minnesota. It's an air ball that he somebody tips in that yeah. makes a difference in that game. And so they haven't played quite as well at home. Uh, but I would think you'll you'll get a a special effort from, from them on, on, you know, on, on Sunday, Saturday night. So uh, it'll be interesting. uh, You know, Purdue, they didn't handle their pressure very well in Bloomington. And, and it's been, you know, when I talked to Matt and, and and, I mean, it's, it's, you, you know, there's a formula to beat Purdue and, you know, can, you know, do you have the personnel, do you have the system to do it? That's the whole key. And I, I, I would think Purdue will be, much more in tune to taking care of the basketball and and getting into their stuff. And when they do that, they're, they're a really good team.
0: Yeah. You know, the formula also 2005 with Illinois, great guard play, great coaching, but, 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 <laughs> but, but great, great guard play is, is, is a key to the, you know, stating the obvious, but I want to, you know, when you've watched lawyer and Smith and let your lawyer and Braden Smith and as good as they've been, you know, we understand lawyers have been dealing with a little bit of a calf injury, but it's also a function, I would think, and you know it in big time basketball more than far more than I. But Fletcher Lawyers is a freshman, and you're not going to get calls necessarily. You're, you know, they're going to rough you up. Uh, you're not a physical specimen just yet. Maybe never will it be just the way his body type is. You're just going to have to figure out if you're coaching this team, and I'm sure Matt Painter said the same thing. Let's figure out a way to play through it because they're going to knock the heck
3: out of you from now to the end of time, you would think. Yeah, there's no doubt. It, it. And when they've struggled with that, the pressure and the physicality, that's when they've had their times. And, you know, it's just get, you know, get after them. I think that's the biggest thing. Don't, you know, Matt's such a good coach. He runs such good stuff. But if you let that if you let them run their stuff, they're going to beat you. You know, yeah. there's no doubt, but if you don't let them run their stuff and you make them play basketball, uh, I think that's that's a key. And then, you know, now can those guards get where they make good decisions and have the poise, and they've been – you know, I'll, I, I'm amazed, and Matt and I have talked about it, how their poise, especially at the end of games and what they – even on the, early in the season, what, you know, Fletcher's done on the road and, and making key – Baskets and key plays and passes and all that. So it, it's you know they they can do it. There's no doubt. I really think, and I know, you know, everyone wants to win every game. I really think losing some of those games helped them because yeah. now they had to learn. And and I and I've told this to Matt. You want to be ready for the tournament. And and you know, no matter what, they're going to win the league, and that's that's uh, that's a special accomplishment. But you know you want to be successful in the tournament and going against all the different styles of play now in the Big 10 there's more styles it isn't quite as generic as it's been in the last few years because of different coaches yeah. and different you know guys just are doing different things and uh, I, I really think it's going to help them in the tournament i think it's going to help the whole league that because you get in the tournament and you only have one day to prepare and all of a sudden you're going against something you never went against you can't do anything you can't change it and uh you know, so I, I think it's going to help them in the long run. And and it makes the coaches think and, you know, how do you know, how do we help? And obviously, Matt's really, really smart basketball coach. And 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 he's going to, you know, he's going to find things that are going to help them be successful.
0: Yeah, it is a I think that's an interesting point. That I hadn't really thought of it. The, the fact that there are more styles in the league uh, is going to help uh, come tournament time. How in the heck? And you did it for years. From a coaching standpoint, I know Matt Painter is good at compartmentalizing, and I'm sure you were in your days where you have to put it in the right place. You can't put bring the NCAA tournament to your doorstep until you play in it. But just the fact that you you, you really everybody there's no secret that's what you kind of sometimes sadly in my view you're so yeah. judged on that. But how do you do that and still take those incremental steps throughout the course of the season? You know, to to do is it just a simply. Focusing on what's in front of you, how do you view that from your perspective? You know, when,
3: when I had my 05 team, you know, yeah. we were going to win the league. And, you know, yeah. it wasn't even a question. And, um, and so now as a staff, you know, I just and – I, and I started even calling around the people, hey, how can we be prepared? What can we do? we got to make this run. And, you know, and I, I think as a staff, you know, what, what have we not gone against? Uh, you know, we at that time no one was playing much zone in the Big Ten, so I I made, you know, we took ex, our extra days and put zone stuff in and went against zone for like a, you know for an hour of practice, which we would never do, and and you know I I actually made up things and told the players, well we we think they're going to play zone, well they weren't going to play zone, but we were preparing for later on, presses, last second situations. All those things you want to be as best prepared as you can, um, and 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 yet you you got to make sure, like I say, you're not going at you're not telling the players, well, we're doing this for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. How do you, you know, hide that? <laughs> you know, and you know you can you can you know the kids they they have good players and they have good kids and they're going to listen and they want to be coachable. I think that's one of the best things about Purdue is their coachability. And so, you know, they're going to listen to Matt and they're going to, you know, I'm sure he's doing things. And, um, you know, last couple of weeks we talked about, you know, even last second situations and, you know, it was something that, you know, he felt comfortable with Braden having the ball early in the year. And then now he didn't make maybe a couple of plays. Now, what else can they do? So all those things as a coach, you're, you're starting to, you know, you're putting in your bag. It's, it's, it's gotta be there. So, um, but you know too, Al, it, it you get to those games, you can have all this stuff, you can have all these <laughs> diagrams and that players make plays and they yeah. make plays for you, whether it's on the defensive end or the offensive end. And, and that's what you hope you're prepared. You hope you're playing at a high level at the end of the year and you're fresh and healthy. And and that's another thing for you know for them is to stay healthy and be, you know, you got to be a little with, especially with young guys, you got to be careful wearing them down mentally. Um, a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked me on TV, what, what should they do in practice tomorrow? And I think they wanted me to say, well, oh, they should go practice three hours or whatever. I said, no, they should go play whiffle yeah. ball. Yeah. You know, they should go have pizza, go have, you know, go to go to go bowling or something, you know, whatever, you know, cause all those things, uh, you know that togetherness and feeling good about each other and that the coaches are got your back i think it, those are all important things
0: yeah they i think purdue took monday and wednesday off uh yeah which is smart and i know that the it always seemed back in the day that uh, the, the gene katie style to some extent was oh we just go practice hard If we get beat yeah. we, we get beat in illinois by 20 points we're practicing we get home you can't do that anymore I guess that's a question. I, is that, is that a, does that make for better basketball in March because kids are rested is some call even Ray Davis says it's a little soft for his liking, but, <laughs> but, but is that, is that true? I mean, is that make for better basketball you think at the end of the day, or is it just all different and that's just the way of the world today? Well, actually we got beat by 40 at Illinois. Yeah, we yes, you did. I was trying to be nice. There was others when you lost by 20. Yeah.
3: So we did practice tonight. And, and I think Megan was wondering where I was at 2 a.m. cell phones <laughs> and I couldn't call the house phone because I'd wake the kids up. So yeah. um, that, that happened a few times. But you know, and to coach Katie's Coach Katie's credit, and this is something, and and actually Glenn helped with it a little bit, Robinson, you know, we we went like three times before we played in the tournament and Glenn just said, you know, coach said, what do you think? He goes, coach, we can't practice all these times. I got to be fresh, you know, and it just, and then, and then coach started asking around. He, yeah. He went to coach K. He went to some guys and, and so what do you guys, and they talked about backing off and, you know, and I know with my Illinois team in 05, we were going about an hour at the end. The great thing about, those guys, though, they would sit. Darren Williams, D. Brown, Luther Head, Roger Pop. They would go play one on one and go shoot and play contest. So we just sit there and they were practicing. We didn't. We we had nothing to do with it. So they kept that drive going. But you you, there's no doubt you got it. That I think more Al than anything is the mental part, not the yeah. body as much, but the mental part of being drained, the pressure, all that stuff. Um, and, you you know, you probably see it. I saw it on Indiana a little bit the other night. I thought they looked real tired. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, uh, you know, especially, uh, especially, uh, uh, you know, Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, you know, he's had the – what is he playing, 37, 38 minutes a game? Yeah. And he's – and this is something I brought up to uh, Ray Feld in the studio, and he didn't realize it big guys have to run from hoop to hoop,
0: you
3: know, they're not running from top of the key to top of the key, you know, like the guards and um, you know, so that's even more mileage on them. um, You know, as you, as you progress through this, through the season. So I think, you know, there, there is something to it. And coach Katie, you know, and he, he told me this a long time ago, if you want to stay in a business, you got to be flexible and you got to change. And, and you know how grumpy he was and tough he was <laughs> and all that, but he did change. And, you know, and that's why he was able to stay in the business. And, and it's something, you know, Matt and I have talked about, you know, and just in recruiting car trips and all that stuff, you know, you you know, you know, talk about a lot of stuff. And and I'm sure he's, you know, I know people think time management and the NBA, you know, I'm not, you know, it's hard when you're paying $300 for a ticket and then the best players aren't playing uh but in the long run if you, you know they want to win a championship you know they got to keep those guys rested
0: yeah no doubt and that's an interesting story one thing because he and I thought Matt did a good job earlier the year because I really hadn't thought about that either Zach Eady you know having to go oh. you know, ba- basket to basket to, at, at seven foot four and he's learned to run really well and yeah. uh, he's he's got great endurance but uh, you don't see it all right is there any doubt in your mind? And it's you know not a not a Purdue thing necessarily, but Zach Eadie versus Trace Jackson Davis. I guess t- tomorrow night's game will determine some of that. But in your if your vote for Big Ten Player of the Year, I don't think there's a lot of doubt on in the National Player of the Year that Zach Eadie's the guy. But uh, any any uh, fly in the ointment there, especially considering where if Purdue wins tomorrow night, there'll be a fair amount of separation between the teams in terms of
3: wins and losses. Yeah, I, there. To me, it's a no-brainer if Purdue wins; it's not even close. Um, and even in the game, when you know, and, and Trace played unbelievable; and he's had an unbelievable run. I, again, Great I'm player, giving yeah. him a lot of credit. But no what Zach has done the whole year in his consistency, yeah. it, it's it's amazing. It, it, it how special it is. And um, I, I I've joked with Matt a couple times about it's like Kareem watching Kareem. Yeah. Play. You know, it just. His touch is, you know, he just, and I love, I, I saw a little bit at Maryland for the first time. He actually had some emotion yeah. in his face. I think the crowd was getting after him and, but he has kept his poise. Uh, he's got, you know, he's gotten pushed and trapped and all that. And he did, he just comes to play. you got to love, you know, his, his mentality and how he approaches the game. And I, I, I got to say, go with him, but, but again, Trace Jackson Davis has been really, really special for Indiana. No doubt.
0: Uh, all right. Officiating is always a subject matter and, and different coaches. Again, you worked for one that let it all hang out all the time with Gene <laughs> Katie. You were, you might have been a little bit in between where Matt Painter is and and where Gene Katie was. How much of that, I mean, Matt Painter has so much respect among officials because he doesn't seem to, you know, he, he does. he's not needy on the sidelines, but when he has a beef, which he did a couple weeks ago or a week ago about the officiating after the Maryland uh, loss, etc., what's that fine line between a coach and and, and your relationship with officials and still lobbying for your guys, especially when you have two young guards that you're going to take some physical um, abuse for lack of
3: a better word in the backcourt. How do you, how do you see that? You know, I think it's a lot of times you can make a point with the officials and even getting a technical once in a while. And, and I didn't get a whole bunch of them, but I did get some, as you mentioned, and, you know, you get frustrated at times. Sometimes you're not playing well and you, you get, you know, you let the your wrath out on the refs, and you're really mad at your players. But yeah, um, you know, I don't. The longer I was in it, I'm not sure it. How much good did it do you when you get yeah. mad at the refs? You know, because they are human. No matter what, you can say what you want. They are human, and they have emotions. And if you're on them all the time, and that, you know, it. I don't care what they can tell you. Oh, they ref the game. No, they. This is this is they're going to make calls and, and you see it. Why are, why do you get calls at home and you don't get them on the road? The emotion of the crowd it's there. It's why are you able to be more physical on defense on the, at home? Than the road? Well, it's again, it's the, you know, it's all part of it. And um, so I, I think it's that, you know, I think Matt's done a good job of just, you know, doing it the right way, staying, you know, can, Trolling his emotions, talking to them. I see him getting excited some games, yeah. show, but he does in the uh,
0: huddle without doubt. You know, I mean, he yes,
3: you know, and then, but if you do that, if you do it all the time, I think it wears on the officials. And if if you just you know if you do it once in a while, they they'll accept it and they they understand that it's part of the game. You know, and they they do their best. And it's it's a hard hard job. I I don't yeah. you know I, I I you know and I know the. Every conference thinks their refs are not very good, but uh, they, you know, they try and you you need them. They're part of the game and you just hope they, you know, you don't make every shot. They're not going to make every call, but you hope, you know, both of you, you know, you're shooting 90% from the free throw line, that would help.
0: Yeah. Purdue's got a good situation there because they are pretty, usually pretty good though. They weren't good in the Indiana game down there shooting free throws, I think just 10 for 17. I think Matt put up the point. He's had 12 technicals in his career and Purdue is one in 11 when that's gone on. So his, his whole point is where's the data to support, you know, do I, I I'm with you hundred percent. There are times you need to fire up your team and, and those kinds of things, but you better be careful how you do it. Mike Woodson had a, a couple of technicals against North or the team did, I should say, against Northwestern cost them uh, a game in the end. I, that wasn't the sole reason they lost, obviously, but it's it's a fine line. And uh, you're right. There's books written about the effect of home crowds on those humans called officials. It yeah. makes a huge it makes a huge difference. I would like to take us on for another hour. You got other things to do with your life. We appreciate it so much, Coach, and uh, where your expertise is fun. And we we'll have another another one of these. Just talk. We we go back to a lot of old stories. But it all, the interesting about our old stories is they tie your stories especially tied directly to what you're seeing right now there is a basis for where gene katie and bruce weber brought Purdue's program brought along a guy like matt painter brought along uh you worked obviously with matt and 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 etc it's it's an interesting tie and that
3: consistency really has a lot to do with Purdue's success would you agree to that oh there's no doubt and and you know, people, athletic directors make decisions, rash decisions because of fans and all that. Yeah. And in the long run, if they would have stuck with the coach, yeah, they would have consistency. And, and it's just, you know, it, it's so funny. I see like some team like they're, oh, he's doing a great job. And then I look at the record and yes. it's like, oh, he had one my you know, I'm just using me as an example. I did so much more, and this guy they're telling him he did a good job, and and now fans are on me. You know, it just you can't please them. And and I think it's so important. I think the consistency like you talked about, Matt, you know, and you if they were four and twenty-two every year <laughs> or something, you know, you can't, that's that's a whole nother thing, but you're gonna have bad years. It's part of it. Things happen, injuries happen, close games happen you know, things don't, ball doesn't bounce your way. Like we, you know, talked about earlier they, you know, there's so many things, um, you know, that happen and you just, you, I think the biggest thing is when you lose those games or when you have tough years, you can't go crazy. You can't panic. And, and, and that, that's, again, that's something I learned, you know, from coach Katie over the years and, you know, how, you know, in in the long haul, and Coach had some bad years too, and and yeah, but look at the overall. His name's on that court, and what yeah. he, I'm sure there's a lot, a lot of programs would love to be in produce, produce, yeah. yeah, you know, what they've done through the year, the championships, and you know, and again, I, it's my one regret with Coach, or I have two regrets. One, he should be in the Naismith Hall of Fame. I don't understand it. Yeah. He is a finalist now. Um, you know, I don't, you know, for me, he is about what basketball is about. How much more can you do? High school, junior college, assistant, taking the team to the final four, he, you know, the third, what third winning, the second winning coach in the history or third winning history of the big 10, which has been the, you know, Olympics, uh, assistant coach, gold medals, head coach in the USA. I mean, he's done everything. And how can yeah. he not be in there? And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's baffling, but the other part is just helping him get to the final four. And, you know, we had probably, when you look back three, four chances of getting there and something we probably weren't, we should have, you know, with Troy Todd and effort, you know, we, we probably weren't ready. We didn't understand it because you got to go through it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the K-State, the scenario, we beat them so badly. And then we get up yeah. 10 nothing, and, yeah. uh, you know, but then could we beat Danny Manning? I don't know. You know, it's just, yeah, a tough thing obviously glenn and Glenn getting hurt you know uh Jerron cornell getting hurt with that that year uh, you know and then obviously he had the chance with you know playing wisconsin that time so but that's you know that would be my regret when i got the my first thought when we beat arizona which is the craziest game
4: craziest. you know made it
3: unbelievable and it still yeah. goes down for yeah. people i bet almost once a week somebody says something about that game to me but the first, my first thought is guys, you know, I'm just so fortunate. And, you know, coach never had that opportunity. And, you know, I hope Matt gets that opportunity. The ball's got to bounce your way, You got to stay away from injuries, a lot of things and matchups more than anything. So, uh, but it's that consistency of the program is so, so important. Yeah, well
0: said. Yes, that Arizona game—I think you can watch it on YouTube. Arizona, Illinois, Sweet Sixteen game—probably it's on the My Mount Rushmore of the best college basketball games I've ever seen. And I thought you guys were dead in the water. Yeah, uh, so did you, I. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't. Uh, uh, what a what a college basketball game uh, uh, that was! All right, coach. Thanks again so much. Uh, we want to thank Triple uh, X and State Farm agent Trent Johnson. Also, for their sponsorship, and we'll look forward to next week, of course, the Boilermakers will be coming off a late-night game at Wisconsin, and that will be no walk in the park, I don't think, uh, as well as Purdue will head to Senior Day with only one senior next week, David Jenkins Jr., when Illinois comes. Bruce knows a thing, too, about the fighting Illini. They had a big win last night against Northwestern. Very dangerous team with talent, as we know. So, again, thanks again for all of you for watching and listening, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week on Golden Black Live.